0: On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, Elon Musk confirms that the Cybertruck will have a four-motor option, yes, quad-motor. Plus, Tesla puts a few crazy new accessories in the online Tesla shop, from a $50 stainless steel Cybertruck-shaped whistle to a $20,000 brake package for the Plaid Model S, the Model Y is dominating California car sales, and more. What's happening, friends? Alongside a fed and happy Daisy the Boxer, I'm Ryan McCaffrey. This is Ride the Lightning episode 331 for December 5th, 2021, winding it down on a big Tesla year. And it only got bigger this week as we look ahead. Uh, First, I want to mention that I had a great Thanksgiving trip with my family. I want to thank all of you for allowing me to do that. I hope you enjoyed your holiday holiday. Uh, and the Immaculate Reflections car detailing interview that I left you with. I had fun sitting down with Jeff to do that, and I hope you got something out of it. All right, well, let me jump right in because there is so much to talk about this week. First up, the big story it broke on Friday. The Cybertruck is getting upgraded to a quad motor version. That will not be the only choice, but that will be the new high-end choice For the Cybertruck with Elon Musk tweeting, quote, initial production of the Cybertruck will be a four motor variant with independent ultra fast response torque control of each wheel. Now, this was in response to Omar from Whole Mars blog, who tweeted, rumor has it that the Cybertruck is no longer configurable on the Tesla site because they're debating getting rid of the single motor version and having only two, three and four motor variants. And that's what Elon responded to there. And then later in the same thread, because the first question you're probably already asking yourself if you have a tri-motor reservation is, well, can I upgrade that reservation? And Elon did confirm that, yes, quite obviously, you will be able to upgrade your reservation if you want to. First, just this is huge news, obviously. Tesla has never done a four-motor setup Uh, It has been done, certainly. The Rivian R1T uses a four-motor setup, as does the uh, Rimac Nevera, their new hypercar. Now, there's (laughs) there's obviously a massive spread in price between those two examples I just listed to you, but those are the two examples that are out there right now. But this is Tesla venturing into quad-motor territory. I have some notes and some observations about this because there's sort of a domino effect that happened in my head as I started to process this. Process this. I can't even speak today. Uh, First, I think we can probably consider the single motor version dead, as Holmar's blog had insinuated in his tweet. Uh, Or if it's not outright dead, it's going to be so far out on the horizon that it might as well be. Because... The tri-motor and dual-motor versions under the previous plan were already going to be the ones that got built first, and the single-motor version wasn't expected to go into production until at least a year after the other two. So given that the Cybertruck obviously has already been pushed back a year, that would put the single-motor version, if it were still going to happen, pretty far out there. It's, uh, it would be pretty darn far away. We also know that Tesla likes to simplify their options with manufacturing as much as possible. So, quite frankly, I just doubt that they're going to offer four different motor configurations on the Cybertruck. One, two, three, and four. I don't see that happening. Furthermore, if you're wondering about range, as you have every right to, particularly if you are currently a tri-motor reservation holder, I've seen so many tweets gotten so many emails from people who have said I've got the tri-motor version specifically because of that long 500 mile range. Well, I would suspect though, again, I don't know at this point, but I suspect that the quad motor is going to be the one that gets the 500 mile range while the tri-motor, if it happens, kicks down to something like 400 and the dual motor, gets 300 to 350. Now I may very well be wrong about this, but Here's my, here's something I'd be willing to bet lunch on. There's no way that the quad motor version is going to go substantially over 500 miles unless the roadster, the next gen roadster that should follow the Cybertruck within a year or less is going to go up to 700 plus miles. There's just got to be a separation there between the hypercar, the halo car and the Cybertruck. Now, if anything, I might be wrong the other way. And what I mean by that is, I could see the tri-motor having the longest range and the quad-motor having more power and performance, but at the expense of some range. Now, it's also possible that in the spirit of manufacturing efficiency and simplicity that we know Tesla is so fond of, that the tri-motor version goes away completely and we just get the dual-motor that's maybe, you know, 300 to 350 miles of range and that 500 mile quad motor. And in fact, uh, I have written that in my notes. And then a little later in the day, Tesla tipster Sawyer Merritt, who I've cited on this podcast before is reporting exactly that, that he has heard that from his sources at Tesla. So we shall see again, it would make sense to just have two versions of, to be more in line with Tesla's M.O. of simplifying things as much as possible. So no more single motor, no more tri-motor. The odds are out. The evens are in. Second, speaking of the new Tesla Roadster, the next thought that entered my head when I heard about this quad-motor Cybertruck is that this should all but confirm something that I have predicted on this podcast before, not that it was any sort of grand, bold prediction, but... That prediction being, the new Roadster is going to have four motors. It's going to be a quad-motor car because there's simply zero chance, as I mentioned a moment ago, that the Cybertruck will have a quad-motor option and the Supercar, the Halo car, the the top-of-the-line quarter-million-dollar Tesla doesn't have four motors. If it doesn't, if that car, if the Roadster has fewer than four motors in it, I will print out my 16 pages, oh, 17 pages is what it turned into at the end, 17 pages of show notes that I have for this week's episode. I will print those off and eat them if the the, uh, Tesla Roadster has fewer than four motors in the car. Uh, Now, the third thing I wanted to bring up here, and I don't want to give necessarily credit like it's entirely due to Rivian per se. But I do think it's fair to bring up that this might be an instance, this upgrade of the motors from three to four in the Cybertruck, this could be an instance where we can tangibly point to competition being a good thing for Tesla and more importantly for consumers. Because If you've been paying attention to the Rivian R1T, which is in early production, it is just starting to deliver to customers now, it is getting incredible reviews. And I've been so happy to read those because the world so badly needs more very good, not just very good, needs more great EV options of all sorts, particularly as this electric truck market starts up. That's going to be a big catalyst for a lot of people to switch to EVs if the products are good. And by all accounts, the Rivian R1T is fantastic. Doug DeMuro, the YouTube car reviewer that I'm a fan of, who I've mentioned here before, he gave the Plaid Model S his highest score ever. Well, he gave the Rivian R1T one point less for his second highest score ever. Now, I know that's just one person, but across the board, the Rivian's been... Uh, Very, very well received so far. By all accounts, it's fantastic. And part of the reason why, just part, certainly not entirely, but it's got quad motors. It's zero to 60 in three seconds. It's got fantastic off-road capabilities. Uh, It's got pretty good range, though that's more a function of battery than the... It's largely a function of battery, not the motors. But still, uh, anyway, on this topic, speaking of off-road... While we're upgrading to four motors, Elon wasn't done offering new nuggets of information on the Cybertruck. He was also asked, can it turn like a tank? And he responded, it will have both front and rear wheel steer, so not just like a tank, it can drive diagonally like a crab. So again, not to draw a straight line right to the competition here, but the GMC Hummer EV. That's a big advertised feature of that vehicle. And again, the Rivian is supposed to get this as an update down the road. But again, even if those other trucks, those other electric pickups had nothing to do with the Cybertruck adding this stuff, the point is it's awesome to see. I love this. This is great to see such a step up that at least this this extra year that Tesla is taking or needing on the Cybertruck is being used to substantially upgrade this thing. Now, that also means, the next thought in your head, pricing. It's uh, It may not be good news for everyone, because obviously this is going to increase the cost of the truck. Uh, I was just talking recently on this podcast, in fact, about how I thought with the chip shortage and the rising cost of materials, that there's simply no way that the tri-motor Cybertruck was going to get made for $70,000. I still believe that, even after this week's big news, uh, re- you know, even if there is still going to be a tri-motor, which seemingly there might not be. But I'll go ahead and lay down a prediction real quick, even though my prediction episode isn't coming up in, for another few weeks. But I think the quad-motor version could touch six figures with options. I think we could see it start at $90,000, if the let's say let's say ninety k, because I think if there were still going to be a trimotor, that would probably be eighty instead of seventy, given the the trends we've seen over the past year. And then you figure that can get right up to a hundred thousand dollars with options, namely just just FSD alone would kick that up to a hundred thousand dollars. But we don't know what other other options, interior, etc., that Tesla might offer on there, but. The point is, I would mentally prepare yourself for something that costs upwards of $100,000 if you are someone that's interested in the quad-motor Cybertruck. But boy, what a huge bit of Cybertruck news this week. Now, we're not quite done with the Cybertruck because prior to this quad-motor tweet, Elon also gave another vague but nevertheless exciting update about the Cybertruck, when responding to Ride the Lightning listener Zane, who asked Elon, will the Cybertruck have a yoke? Elon said, quote, Cybertruck is intentionally an insane technology bandwagon, end quote. And then he added in a follow up tweet saying, quote, Cybertruck will reach into a oh, excuse me, Cybertruck will reach far into a post apocalyptic future and bring that technology to Now. Well, I'm not quite sure what he means by that. I mean, I guess quad steering, quad motors and four-wheel crab walk steering is part of that. But I'm eager to find out specifically what Elon means there. I will say, uh, after watching the aforementioned Doug DeMuro's very thorough review of the Rivian, plus Doug's walkthrough that he did recently of the F-150 Lightning I want to say I do hope that the Cybertruck incorporates a lot of the smaller, smaller but useful convenience and work truck features that its competitors are going to be doing. Things like having lots of other power outlets for tools, a power frunk, uh, measuring units on the tailgate at, for you know measuring things at job sites, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But anyway, getting back on track here, It certainly seems like a definite yes to the steering yoke on the Cybertruck. So again, that is going to be a very divisive thing, at least for a while. It has been on the new S and the X, but the difference is that the Cybertruck aims to be a much higher volume vehicle than the S or the X, or even the S and the X combined right? I mean, We know from when I got to ask Elon at Battery Day a year plus ago, what do you think the total, you know, the the max volume production on Cybertruck's going to be? He said 250 to 300,000 units a year. So that is much more than the S and the X combined. By the way, if you're curious, uh, the dual motor pricing, I think we're looking at at least $60,000 for that. It had been previously on the reservation page as $50,000 with the single motor being 40 but with these chip shortage situation uh the price the price situation there and with the materials costs I think a 10k bump is probably the minimum to expect it might even be more it might be 65 could even be 70 for the dual motor on that but it remains to be seen we should hopefully find out I mean Tesla doesn't usually announce pricing until they have to. So we'll see. But on a related note, Elon did separately tweet after being asked, can we get a legit Cybertruck update? It's been about two years after all. And Elon said, quote, oh man, this year has been such a supply chain nightmare and it's not over. I will provide an updated product roadmap on the next earnings call. Uh, Now, I am First of all, I'm glad to hear that Elon will be on the next earnings call. Uh, I wonder if he'll be doing so because it's for the full year report, and not just Q4, or if he intends to return permanently, or if this is just a, hey, I'm coming back for this one, and then I'm going to nope out of the other three for the rest of the year. But regardless... It'll be good to have him back for at least this one. No offense to the leadership team that staffed the last call, but the thing is, without Elon's completely unscripted and unpredictable responses, it's just not as fun. It's not as fun for us fans, anyway. I don't know how, how shareholders feel about it, but anyway, uh, I would expect that earnings call to be around the last week of January, And as always, when that time rolls around, I will have audio clip highlights of everything Elon has to say, all the good stuff, as well as a full recap and analysis. So stay tuned for that in about, oh, seven or eight shows from now, I guess is what what that will end up being. Next up this week, I told you at the top about some crazy accessories that Tesla put up in the online tesla shop this week i want to say thank you to nadav for sending this to me while i was on my family trip the first and possibly well at least most expensive and possibly craziest though it does have a practical application of these new tesla accessories is a carbon ceramic brake package specifically for the plaid model s i believe this is the most expensive accessory in tesla history as it costs $20,000 for this brake kit. It will be available by mid-2022, according to the Tesla store listing, which, by the way, reads, designed for the ultimate track experience, the Model S Plaid Carbon Ceramic Brake Kit is a complete hardware package that delivers maximum repeatable stopping power during high-performance driving. The kit includes all-new carbon-silicon carbide rotors that provide maximum high-temperature durability and heat management, one-piece forged calipers with high-performance pads, and high-temperature brake fluid. End product description. Well, I've got a few thoughts on this. First, I think these will absolutely come on the new Roadster. In fact, I would bet lunch, I'm in a betting mood this week, that these are literally the same brakes that are going to go on the Roadster, because it just makes sense. Uh, in fact, I'm going to do some extra math here in a second. But uh, the next point I wanted to make first is we now know why Tesla broke tradition on their performance models, always coming with red calipers, with the Plaid, because as you know, the Plaid, as it in its standard configuration, does not come with red brake calipers. They were saving it for this. Third thing here, this will hopefully address the stopping power criticism of the Plaid that I've seen in a lot of reviews. These uh, rotors do look physically larger than the stock rotors that are on the Plaid now, uh, which is no doubt why this kit requires the 21-inch arachnid wheels. It will not go over the 19-inch Model S, uh, the Tempest wheel, if you've got that on your plat, Now, the Roadster, as we saw it in 2017, the prototype has 20-inch wheels in the front, 21s in the back, but my guess is that these exact carbon ceramic brake rotors will fit over the 20-inch wheels on the front of the Roadster, but just not those 19-inch Model S wheels. Finally, If you're curious, the Plaid Model S now maxes out at $170,000 if you go all out and check every box. That means red paint, white interior, full self-driving, and adding the carbon ceramic brake package. Most people, of course, will not want or need to spend that extra $20,000. In fact, doing the math that I teased a moment ago, let's say... Let's say 1% of all plaid buyers pony up for this. And I think that's probably reasonable, right? Like, of every 100 people that buy a plaid, one of them probably takes it to the track in a consistent and frequent and serious enough manner that they would actually want to spend the 20K on this. Maybe I'm underselling it, but I think I feel good about that prediction, about that estimate. So 1%, which means if you look at Model S production, I know it's still ramping up right now. It's still low. It's going to get higher. But if you look at 1% of all Plaid buyers, which again, not all Model S buyers, just the Plaid. So you're already reducing that group. The point is the number of of carbon ceramic brake kits that they're going to sell for the Plaid S, it's probably only going to be a few hundred in a year at the most. So I do think it's pretty cool that Tesla is offering this at all, considering it's likely to be a very low volume item. But again, I think part of the reason they are content to do that is because I do think these will be the exact brakes that are going to go on every single Tesla Roadster, which I know itself won't be a high volume car. But if you're just talking about a few hundred brake kits a year, carbon ceramic brake kits a year for those people with plaid S's that choose it versus all right. Now we're looking at a few thousand when you have you add those people to the Roadster buyers once the Roadster goes into production and suddenly it's not. Uh, it's a little more viable from a manufacturing perspective for Tesla. How about another new item in the Tesla online shop? This one's the least crazy one of the group. Socks, uh, just socks. So uh, this this. Doesn't actually count as one of the crazy ones that I mentioned at the top of the show. Hang with me for just a minute on that. But you can already buy Tesla hats, Tesla shirts, Tesla jackets, Tesla track pants, even. But now you can get your feet involved, too, with three different pairs of Tesla socks. They are each $30, and that $30 gets you two pairs. And what's nice is they are two different pairs of the same theme two of those three sets uh, that again come with two each two pairs each sorry if this is confusing I may not be explaining this well but anyway two of the three choices you have are Cybertruck themed and one is a general Tesla theme here's the product description for one of the Cybertruck sock sets it says quote inspired by Cybertruck The Cybertruck Icon Sock Set includes two pairs of natural bamboo fiber blend socks with hand-finished toe seams and sectional cushioning for added comfort. One pair features the Cybertruck Owl, while the second pair includes a repeat pattern of the Cybertruck Silhouette. The other Cybertruck design, if you're curious, is the CYBRTRK Graffiti design that you can see if you go to tesla.com slash Cybertruck and it runs up the side of the sock. You get, uh, in both cases, you get a gray pair with a black font and a black pair with a white font. And then the third set of socks is the, 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 has the Tesla word word mark on them. One black with red, uh, Tesla lettering and one gray with white Tesla lettering. So really, at this point, Tesla just needs to do a shoe collab with someone, right? Collab, that's what the kids say. And if they just do a shoe collab, there'll be, you'll be able to completely deck yourself out from head to toe in Tesla gear. And by the way, if anybody from Tesla is listening to this, can I nominate Allbirds for that? Their shoes, I'm a big fan of Allbirds. I have several pairs of them in some different styles and colors. They're really lightweight, they're very comfortable, and they're made from sustainable materials. And as a bonus, they're based out of the San Francisco area, so they share the same backyard. Well, not really that Tesla does anymore. I guess technically not, because Tesla did officially move their... They they completed all their paperwork, got it all got it all done. They are officially based out of Austin now, but of course, they have a massive presence in California between the Fremont factory, the design center, the Lathrop facility, the, uh, what, the Megapack facility in Lathrop as well. There's, there's a lot of California going on with Tesla still. Anyway, if you're interested in any of the socks, you can find them on shop.tesla.com. Here's another item in the Tesla shop. And yes, this is one of the crazy ones. It is a stainless steel whistle in the shape of a Cybertruck. It's a limited edition. It's 50 bucks. And yes, as you've probably already guessed by this point, if you've been trying to get your hands on, say the Tesla tequila or the Tesla surfboard or the boring company flame, not a flamethrower, the whistles already sold out. It's sold out in about, I would say two hours or less. Now, I'm not sure why Tesla chose to do this, but remember that someone on Franz's design team had to design this thing. So it's not just entirely a goof. It's, I suspect uh, Tesla sees it as something that would make a fun Christmas gift for the Cybertruck reservation holder in your life as they continue to wait for their Cybertruck after it got delayed for a year. Now, I'm not done. There is still one more thing. You may have heard about this late this week because uh, it made the rounds, to say the least. One more crazy thing, and it's even crazier than the whistle. It is a $1,900 CyberQuad for kids. And here's the product description on that. It says, Get ready for any adventure with the all-electric CyberQuad for kids. Inspired by our iconic Cybertruck design, the four-wheel ATV features a full-steel frame, cushioned seat, and adjustable suspension with rear disc braking and LED light bars. Powered by a lithium-ion battery with up to 15 miles of range and a configurable top speed of 10 miles per hour, CyberQuad for kids is suitable for anyone 8 years old and up with a maximum weight of 150 pounds. Now, I'm sure they'll sell as many as they can make. In fact, they sold out by the next morning because this went up, I think, yeah, Thursday night, like Thursday evening is when this thing hit the shop, and by Friday morning, it was gone. Uh, I don't know if there'll be more, uh, more batches of these or if it's just gonna be a a one-off, just a one run of them. Now, for me... 1900 bucks. I I had the chance. I saw it, I caught it right when it went up, and I looked at it and I'm looking at it and I thought about it, but then I decided better of it. I I live in San Francisco. There's nowhere for my daughter to really ride that thing. I you know, I'm out here in the concrete jungles of San Francisco. Although, I did mention it to my wife and I said, "Well, given how this Tesla, these Tesla things have gone—the surfboard, the uh, Tesla tequila—I probably could have bought one and then flipped it for a profit. But honestly, uh, I'm not really a willing to lay out $1,900 to find out. And B. I would just rather another Tesla owner have it at regular price that wants it. I'm I'm not out here looking to go scalp Tesla stuff. I mean, I work in an industry in the, the video game world by day where bots and scalpers have gobbled up so many of the very limited availability of Xbox Series X, and PlayStation 5 consoles and are out there scalping them trying to make a you know two to three X profit on it and I wouldn't want to do that to a fellow Tesla enthusiast on a cyber quad for kids but if you did want one they're gone for now if you really want one I would advise just checking in on the online Tesla shop on a daily basis just make it a habit pop in there once a day And who knows, maybe at some point they will restock, but I am not sure. All right, Uh, let's move on to more Tesla news here. Tesla's always done exceptionally well in California, we all know that. But on the back of the Model Y, Tesla is putting up some truly incredible stats in the country's most populous state. Take a listen to this segment about how successful The Model Y is in California. This comes from the CNBC show Squawk Box.
1: Uh, Meantime, we're going to talk a little bit about Tesla because it is feeling the California love. You ready for this? New data showing that the EV giant is leaving the competition in the dust somewhere on the Pacific Coast Highway. And for that, Phil LeBeau joins us this morning. Phil.
2: Andrew, we get this data every quarter from the California New Car Dealers Association, and it's a great look at how the country's largest auto market is moving in terms of trends, what people are buying, what they're not buying, and the numbers look incredible for Tesla. Now, they've always been strong in California. It's always been their strongest market. But look at the surge in sales this year. Nobody's close to them, up 64%. There you see Porsche, Hyundai, and Kia. The strength of this The Model Y. Now, the Model 3 has always done well there, but the Model Y, it is the fifth best-selling model in California. Let me stress this again. Not the fifth-best electric vehicle, the fifth-best-selling vehicle, period. It is also the number one luxury compact SUV in California. One reason why when you take a look at Tesla's annual sales the estimates continue to go up, not just because of California, but because of what they're doing worldwide. The estimate now, according to FactSet, is for full-year deliveries to reach 893,000 vehicles. Don't be surprised by the end of the year if the estimate tops 900,000 vehicles. As you take a look at Tesla over the last three months, remember, the Gigafactory hasn't even come online. It starts production uh, the end of this year. We'll probably start to see the first vehicles uh, coming out of the Gigafactory next year, and we don't see the Cybertruck towards the, until towards the end of next year uh, coming out of there. I also want to show you Ford, Rivian, and General Motors. And why am we showing you all three of these companies? Because all of them have electric pickup trucks that are either have already started deliveries, in the case of Rivian with the R1T, you've got the F-150 Lightning from Ford, and then you've got General Motors uh, E-Silverado. Yes, they have the Hummer S-U-T, but the E-Silverado is the really high-volume electric pickup truck that's coming uh, in 2023. What you're going to see is a real battle, guys, in Southern California, because it is the largest pickup market in this country, larger than Dallas and Houston, Southern California. And it's also a nice mix of both the traditional full-size pickup buyer, as well as the lifestyle buyer. And that's where the Cybertruck is likely to do very well. So new numbers out of California show just how strong Tesla is in that state. And I expect that they will maintain that dominance as certainly when it comes to electric vehicles in that state. Uh, But when you see the overall market, with the Model Y, now the fifth best-selling vehicle overall, shows you just how quickly Tesla has established itself out there.
0: First of all, wow. I know you might think, oh, well, it's San Francisco, LA, and San Diego. But no, California is way more than just the coastal cities. The fact that the Y is doing that well in the entire state is incredible. The fifth best-selling vehicle, period. And it starts at you know, almost $60,000 at this point. You know what that means? It means that in about three to five years from now, the so-called $25,000, now we know it's not really gonna cost that much, it's gonna be more, but the cheaper compact sedan that Tesla is planning right now, coming out of Shanghai, that is gonna have, we know it's gonna have an even higher production volume than the Model Y does. That car is probably gonna make it into the top three of vehicles sold in California, maybe even to number one. Second of all, I learned something from that clip, which I always appreciate. I did not know that Southern California is the biggest pickup truck market in the United States. I would have thought for sure it would have been Texas since, as Mr. LeBeau mentioned, Dallas and Houston are there and those cities besides being in Texas, are major, large cities themselves, to say nothing of the many, many truck buyers that live outside of those major metropolitan areas in Texas. Uh, And with that knowledge, by the way, I really do look forward to seeing the entire electric pickup truck market just take off in the next two to three years. I think there's plenty of room for all of them to succeed when I look at it, because I don't think they really overlap that much. The Cybertruck buyer, I think by and large, is not the same as a Rivian buyer, who's not the same as a Hummer EV buyer, who's not the same as an F-150 Lightning buyer. I think all of those trucks serve a particular customer, and I wonder if in 20 years from now, we might look back on the electrification of the pickup truck As the real moment when the EV movement went from, uh, here in America, went from lifting off, which it's been doing on the back of the Model 3 and now the Model Y, to just absolutely going into orbit because of the electric pickup truck market. I hope so. I look forward to that day. A couple more quick items here for you, three of them in fact. Thank you to Tesla Motors Reddit user Bluitt B-L-U-U-I-T, for posting a picture of the email that they got from Tesla about their original Model Y order that was placed back at the reveal in March of 2019. In short, anyone who was still sitting on an order from those early days after the Model Y unveiling has now either had to follow through on that order or Tesla will cancel it and refund them their $2,500 deposit amount. It's actually already come and gone. Uh, I picked up this story. I, I I saw it on Reddit while I was away on vacation, so I didn't have the chance to do it on last week's show, but I did still want to mention it here. Uh, the, the date's come and gone, but it's significant, so I thought I would mention that regardless. Honestly, I think Tesla was pretty cool to have let them float around in the system for that long. It's been at this point almost three years for a lot of those early orders since the Y again was unveiled in March of 2019. And quite frankly, Tesla doesn't need that money anymore. They've got so many orders coming that they just don't need to keep those $2,500 reservations on the books anymore and just hope that they're going to come through and it might e- help them eke profitability. Like, no, that's Tesla is past that. So uh, I can't really blame them at all for saying, you know, put up or shut up on these early Model Y orders. If anybody out in my audience decided to move forward with their order, though what I would like to say to you is congratulations, because you managed to get full self-driving at a much cheaper price than anyone else can these days. So that's a a big bonus to having hung on to that order for a while. Speaking of the Model Y, it looks like Tesla is, well, not looks like, they have. Tesla has made a CPU change in the Model Y, at least it's probably going to be everything, but Starting now with the performance Model Y in China, the Giga Shanghai built performance Model Ys. This one I found the I, the first place I saw this. I want to give credit again on the Tesla Motors Reddit to a post by user "Beaten by Jumper Cables," which is a hilarious username, if not a little dark. But uh, thank you to that user for posting the proof of this. From a made in China performance model wise screen that shows the AMD Ryzen chip replacing the Intel Atom chip that's in all of our Model 3s and Model Ys now. So I think we have to maybe anecdotally or colloquially call this one the MCU 2.5 because it's a CPU upgrade. But there is not a dedicated GPU in this as there is in the new Model S and X that in those cars enables high-end gaming, things like Cyberpunk 2077, which by the way, still hasn't come out for the new S and the new X. I wonder why that is. The build that was playable in the cars at the Plaid launch event back in June seemed pretty rock solid. I wonder why cyberpunk still hasn't been pushed out. Anyway, uh, yeah, ten teraflops of gaming power in the new S and the X. That is not the case with these new Ryzen chips going in the Chinese performance model Ys. But still, it is a it is an improvement. There were there have been benchmark tests done. It is a noticeable step up from the Atom, the Intel Atom chips that are in our cars. Now, obviously, it's good to see these obvious performance improvements. The cars continue to get better over time. You know, depending on the cost of this, I might be interested in upgrading if and when, I should say, if or when, Tesla eventually, A, brings this to all Model 3s and Model Ys around the world, not just Performance Model Ys, not just Performance Model Ys in China, and B, if they do offer a retrofit, as they have done for the older S's and X's, to go from MCU 1 to MCU 2. I mean, this chip, it's almost definitely gonna be rolling out to every other 3 and Y in both Shanghai and Fremont in the near future, not to mention the Model Y's that will be coming out of Texas and Berlin soon as well. Uh But the question of whether or not Tesla will offer an upgrade for the rest of us if we want it, that's a bit more up in the air. I think it could be a while on that because they're they're just, why would they do it anytime soon? There's a chip shortage going on, and it's also, it's not such a night and day difference, at least in these early tests that have been posted online, as it was with the MCU1 and the MCU2. That was a substantial difference. Yeah, like I said, this is more of an, you know, I'm calling it MCU 2.5 with the Model S and the X having MCU 3. I just think logistically speaking, Tesla would rather put every chip they can get their hands on into a new car that they can sell rather than put it into a car that they've already sold that they'd just be upgrading. It just seems to make more sense that way. Finally this week, another tip of the cap to another Tesla Motors Reddit user, Scott Roberts 79, who posted a picture of his screen showing that Tesla has delivered on another subtle but important new navigation feature that I have wished for on this podcast, though I'm far from the only one who has wished for it. And that is when you're in the car and you tap a supercharger station on the nav the nav screen, it now shows which specific stalls are out of order. It went from not showing any out of order stalls at all to showing, you know, two stalls out of order, but not telling you which two, to now showing you which specific stalls, if any, are out of order. So uh, nothing really at all to say here, except Thank you, Tesla. Yes, this is a small but very welcome feature. I think this is going to help smooth things out at all superchargers, particularly as we are in the holiday season now, and particularly at those busy superchargers where there might be a line of folks waiting to charge. If everybody knows which stalls are out, nobody will or fewer people will accidentally Well, not accidentally, but fewer people will pull pull into them, plug in, and then have to find out the hard way that that stall isn't working. All right, that is everything I have for you in another busy week of Tesla news. Before I move on to your phone calls in the Ride the Lightning Hotline, let me once again mention my friends at Wholesome Bakery. Thank you to Wholesome Bakery for continuing their support of this podcast through the end of the year. I sincerely appreciate that. Now, if you haven't already heard, I've got to tell you about these incredible guilt-free cookies at Wholesome Bakery. I love them. Uh, as you may know, as I've been saying, I cannot eat dairy anymore. That happened to me at about age 30, and it's I've had to adapt, and Wholesome Bakery has been a, a big treat saver for me. I, I can enjoy some legit good treats thanks to Wholesome Bakery. So, uh, just finding genuinely good desserts instead of just like, ah, this is this is okay. It's fine. No. Wholesome bakery stuff genuinely excellent. Uh, it's tricky when you either have a dietary restriction, whether it's gluten, whether it's dairy, whatever the case may be, or or just you have a dietary preference. So uh, so many treats are made with milk, butter or cream, but not wholesome bakery. I found them years ago. They're they're a local San Francisco women-owned business. Everything they make is plant-based. That means nothing has dairy. Not only that, everything on the menu is organic. Everything on the menu is gluten-free, soy-free, and free of refined sugar as well. So you'll avoid sugar crashes. Now, again, my preference with them, out of everything on their wide menu, are the cookie sandwiches. Two cookies. With a coconut-based cream filling between them, I love them. These are, again, for real, genuinely, the most delicious dairy-free treats I have ever had. And quite honestly, I would put them up against dairy-based treats. That's how good they are. There are several flavors of those cookie sandwiches, uh, and I love them all. Chocolate chip, caramel, peanut butter chocolate cookie with sea salt is excellent as well. But they've also got again, a big menu of other great baked goods as well, like paleo friendly fudge brownies, marzipan truffles, and a bunch more. Again, the holidays are here. So you got a lot of uh, holiday favorites to choose from. If you want to order, they've got fudge, they've got cookies, they've got pumpkin chocolate loaves, And again, as I, I said at the beginning of this, when, when they first started supporting the podcast, I sought them out. I actually emailed them and said, you know what, I think my audience might really love you guys. Are you interested in in, uh, in maybe doing something? And, and they, to their credit, Mandy and the team there said yes. And I've been really uh, heartwarmed by seeing a lot of you email me saying, oh, I ordered them and they're they're great. But the good news is here that not only are they available for the holidays and they'll ship anywhere in the U.S., there is a coupon code for 10% off of your order. That coupon code is friend, all one word, N-E-W-F-R-I-N-D. Put that code in at checkout for 10% off of your first order. Tell them that Ride the Lightning sent you. I guarantee you're going to enjoy them. And that is Wholesome Bakery. Thank you for listening to that. Now, the Ride the Lightning hotline. Let's get to it. Your calls, your tesla questions comments discussion topics if you've got a question comment or discussion topic i'd love to hear from you be heard on the podcast you can call in anytime. there are two easy ways to do it both are free they're pretty easy you can either use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software and record your question on there please try to keep it to 90 seconds or less so that I can get to as many people each week as possible. And then email that file to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com. Alternatively, you can take that same 90 second or less call and just call in with it. Leave a message on the Ride the Lightning hotline. It's a toll free number. Dial it whenever you want. That number is one 888 989 8752. Again, that's 1-888-989-TSLA. And if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they are special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. First up this week is Cody in Tennessee.
3: Hey Ryan, Cody in Tennessee again. Um, calling about um, the end of the year and the end of the quarter for Tesla uh, in the context of Elon's most recent I guess it was letter to employees about no longer, you know, paying much overtime o- only to you know pump out a few extra units at the expense of, you know, the following quarter and, and just not being not not trying to chase um, quarter end bumps any longer. Um, and then in the context of that, also the tax credit that's looming and, and people shuffling around their um, their orders in an effort to try and preserve their ability to claim that credit. I'm wondering if there is a, um, a middle ground here potentially for Tesla to um, try to keep some of those customers this year um, that either I hope they'll get the credit, or, or may in fact get the credit, depending on what model you're looking at. I, for example, I'm looking at a model three performance that currently wouldn't qualify under the House and Senate, well, the House um, developed Build Back Better program, and um, what that is is offering full self-driving to people who purchase this year eligible vehicles um, as an exchange. You know, we have around ten thousand dollars, you know, value for full self-driving, eight thousand dollars for the tax credit. Uh, there might be an ability there to you know not have to strain manufacturing anymore for something that's a soft cost to Tesla, but at the same time, um, be able to continue to to preserve sales in this quarter and maybe get some consistency out of it. I don't know how complicated it would be to roll something like that out, but it's an interesting uh, thing I thought about while I was jogging today. Anyway, thanks for your podcast, Ryan. Have a good day. Bye
0: hey, Cody, thank you for calling in and bringing this up. I had meant to talk about this. Uh, First, I am really happy to see Elon say that Tesla is no longer going to have to kill themselves at every end of quarter push. It's long overdue. I have friends and actually come to think of it, family that work in deliveries at Tesla, and it's Always. I have talked to plenty of them. It is always a tough crunch for them, especially coming up, especially over the holidays at the end of the year. The fact of the matter is that Tesla is now successful enough by stock price metrics, by cash on hand metrics, whatever you want to go with. They are successful enough that they don't need to do this anymore. They're no longer scraping by trying to eke out profitability each quarter. So this is great to see. It's going to be better for the physical and mental well-being of the Tesla delivery teams, and it will reduce the risk of burning those wonderful people out. So I am all in favor of this. As to your suggestion about how in this moment this dovetails with the looming return of the tax credit, in an even bigger and better way, by the way, for qualifying vehicles, uh, I think in principle your idea is sound, but in practice, I have to—I I respectfully have to disagree. I just—I don't think it'll happen because these cars are all so backlogged and so in demand that I just imagine Tesla won't have any problem finding takers at the end of this quarter, tax credit or not. As opposed to the alternative, which for these buyers is going to the back of a very, very long line to get a car way later and get that tax credit should it get signed into law. So I just don't see Tesla incentivizing anybody to take a car this quarter because, quite frankly, they just don't need to. But it would sure be great for those folks if it did happen, though. So um, believe me, I'm with you in spirit. Let me make that clear. Thank you, Cody. Here's Darren in D.C. up next.
1: Hey there, Ryan. This is Darren from D.C. again. Hope you are doing well. I am a TriMotor Cybertruck reservation holder. My question to you is, given the amount of price increases across the board on all models and the removal of all Cybertruck pricing and options to pick which version of the truck to reserve, do you think that Tesla will launch the tri Cybertruck under $80,000 for it to qualify for the $8,000 EV credit, provided that passes the Senate intact? Personally, I wouldn't mind going in on an in-and-out bet that the truck will launch at $79,990 and the dual-motor version at $69,990. What are your thoughts?
0: That is a tough one, Darren, but I'm glad you brought this up, especially given how relevant this topic is this week. Now... Uh, Obviously, the car world has changed a lot in the two years since the Cybertruck was unveiled and originally priced. I talked about that earlier. And as I said, I don't think there's any way that a a tri-motor Cybertruck, even if it did get made, would be $70,000. You you look at the 400-mile Model S, and I know that's a luxury sedan versus a utilitarian, post-apocalyptic, stainless steel pickup truck. And so they're not exactly apples to apples, but I just don't see a 400-mile Model S being $95,000 and a 500-mile, even quad-motor Cybertruck being $70,000. Is a 500-mile is a truck going to be $25,000 less than the S? I, I don't think so. I mean, I know that there are, again, Other factors, it's not apples to apples. You've got the 4680 cells in the Cybertruck that are cheaper for Tesla to make. You've got the stainless steel body and lack of paint being cheaper for Tesla, but I just don't see there being any realistic way that that happens. So I'm with you. It's gonna be more than $70,000. Again, now we're talking for the quad motor. It's just a question of how much. I think the bigger question is, is the dual motor version going to come in at under this $80,000 threshold that you're talking about for the new tax credit. I think the quad motor, forget that. There's no way. There's there's virtually no way. I mean, I guess I shouldn't say that with certainty because it hasn't been, nothing's been confirmed, but I don't see any way that happens. I think there is, it's really now, will the dual motor Cybertruck be uh, under $80,000 to qualify for this new tax credit. So we shall see. Uh, I think it's it's just going to be, uh, Tesla's not going to care. And I don't say that maliciously. Like, I really don't. I just think they, they have so much demand for this truck. They're going to be able to sell every single one that they can make regardless of tax credits that they're going to price it at whatever makes sense for them, even if it's over $80,000, on either or both of the reported SKUs, the dual and the quad, and that's just the way it's going to be. Now, as time goes on, as the chip shortage subsides, materials costs hopefully come back down to earth, then, yes, I think there's a chance that Tesla will really zero in on that, that tax credit threshold and do their best to lower the price So that it does qualify so that they can get as many people in the door, as many people switching from gas to electric as possible. But in the early going between the demand and the current market circumstances, I just don't think Tesla is going to even think about really give a second thought to that proposed tax credit. Thanks for your call, Darren. Let's go to Ben from Essex in the UK.
4: Hi, Ryan, this is uh, Ben from Essex in the UK, Model 3 performance owner. Um, I had a quick query uh, regarding the actual positioning of the cameras around the Tesla. Now, watching a lot of the beta videos, it would appear that creeping forward for visibility is a a thing that needs to be done. So I'm just wondering how comes the cameras were never thought to be placed maybe further down the wing? For example, the ones that point forward on the pillars either side of the door should they not been lower down and much further forward around maybe the the wheel arch area for example to stop the vehicle having to creep forward so much in fact even giving an advantage over um normal driving behavior if you like uh, just be interesting to hear your thoughts really great podcast keep up the good work and thanks very much
0: Thank you, Ben. Funny you bring this up because when I got together with my friend Michael recently, he made the exact same point. He says that he thinks hardware four should have two additional cameras looking forward and out. Basically, you know, like the repeater cameras on the fenders, but flipped around to face forward, mounted on the top of the A-pillars. If that can be done in an elegant way, boy, I'm totally with him on that. And I think it speaks to your point as well. I agree that the cars could use better visibility for the autopilot cameras when looking ahead of the car and specifically out to the left and right in front of the car. Like, you know, when you're you're at an intersection uh, trying to look left or look right, that's where some improvement could be had. I will be eager to see if Tesla does indeed mount additional cameras on the cars when version four rolls out, or if it'll just be cameras in the same places, but higher resolution cameras. Uh, let's see, let's do two more calls this week because the show's already running pretty long. Here's Dave from Cleveland.
4: Hi, Ryan. This is Dave from Cleveland. I, uh, have been listening to your podcast for about a year. I don't own a Tesla yet, but I'm about to order one. I do want a plug in hybrid Audi. Um, What I wanted to comment on was in the new bill that passed the House and is going to the Senate for the Build Back Better, that adaptive driving beams are in that bill, and if it gets signed by President Biden, and goes into law that NHTSA, the National Highway Traffic Administration, has two years to implement testing and a rule to allow adaptive driving beams on all vehicles to include Teslas. Tesla already has this in Europe, um, and I don't know how it performs compared to Audis or Mercedes-Benz for adaptive driving beams, but in America, a lot of people are unaware of this and have automatic high beams but don't understand the, the value of adaptive driving beams. I've been following it for years, waiting for it to arrive, and that's part of why I might want to wait to order a Tesla to get adaptive driving beams as well as uh, the 4680 cells. Uh, keep doing what you're doing. Great podcast. Enjoy it and uh, look forward to it every week.
0: Dave, thank you very much for this. I wasn't aware of it, so I am happy to learn something new that's relevant to Tesla. And it's good news at that, so yay. Uh, And since you mentioned that you're waiting to order your Tesla in part because of this, some food for thought on that subject. It might be possible to retrofit adaptive headlights onto your car later If you decide to order prior to NHTSA approving them, I obviously can't guarantee that it's possible that the wiring, the wiring harness could be different, but the housing is likely to be identical. So there's a pretty good chance that you could just order the new headlights from a Tesla service center once they're available and get them installed on your car. Regardless, I hope one way or another, whether you wait or whether you retrofit later, that you are able to get them on your Tesla. Finally this week, let's go back to Washington, D.C. and hear from Greg.
5: Hey, Ryan, this is uh, Greg calling from Washington, D.C. Love the show, love the podcast, and thank you so much for everything you do. Um, just a comment slash question. You know, I've had a Tesla for about a year now, and I absolutely love it, and I particularly love autopilot on road trips. It makes it Super smooth, relaxing, and just a lot easier to drive long distances. Uh, However, one thing that has always bugged me about it is, you know, as a human driver, I do my best to avoid driving in other people's blind spots. And I feel like, you know, it's just one of those things that we all learn to do uh, when learning to drive is respect that, you know, in the interest of everyone's safety to avoid other drivers' blind spots, I'm not sure do you know if Tesla's autopilot software is designed to do that or to take that into account at all? It doesn't seem like it to me, and I oftentimes find myself kind of overriding, speeding up, slowing down, changing lanes just to just to correct for that when I notice it's happening um but I'm curious if you if you if you know about this or know if that's already baked into the software. I'm sure they're gonna keep improving it uh, over time to you know, optimize for safety in, in whatever way possible, but just curious to get your thoughts. Thanks, bye.
0: Hey Greg, I know exactly what you're talking about. I have experienced it too. I don't believe the current production version of Autopilot takes that into account, but as you point out, it's one of those things that I suspect will be added later. I may be wrong, but that feels like a dessert kind of feature. Not that it's not important, but what I mean by dessert is the kind of thing that the autopilot team would focus on and implement after the core system is already feature complete and rock solid. I'm obviously no autopilot engineer, but it does seem like the kind of thing that a vision based system should be able to see and react to. Thank you for your call, Greg. Thanks to everybody who dialed in. Keep your calls coming. I will do more calls next week. I gave you the instructions for how to call in at the top of the segment. They're also in the show notes each and every week as well. You can refer to them there. So with that, stick with me. I'll be right back for a little bit more podcast. I've got a bit more I want to talk about right after this. This is the part of the show where I talk about what's going on with my car, and I wanted to talk about the current version of Autopilot. Now, I'm on the full self-driving beta, as you all know, and as part of that, it switches you over to the Vision-based Autopilot system, including for the regular production, Highway Autopilot. And I've talked already, I think I talked before I went on my trip about how I've noticed a difference for the worse compared to the production autopilot on the with the radar assistance. And I have to say, uh I hit a new low with uh with with my feelings on the vision only autopilot. I've only had a chance to do really one day of with a lot of driving and then one other short trip that I'll I'll talk about as well but I had my family all in the car for this long day of driving. And again, this is on the highway. This is not the full self-driving stack. This is the production highway autopilot stack, but it's running on vision cameras only. Not once, not twice, three times, I had a hard-breaking, phantom-breaking incident. And I know at least two of them, maybe all three, but definitely two of them where I was just going along with my, you know, cruise speed set just in, I usually will hang in the second lane from the left or the third lane from the left, depending how wide the road is. I don't go in the left lane unless I'm going to pass, but I also don't like to just be in the right lane because that tends to be slower. So I tend to stay in the middle lanes. And so I'm just going, going along. And, uh, so yeah, so in both, two of these cases, from two lanes over to the right. So I guess the far right lane. You know, I'm I'm coming up and then a, the car is is making a change from two lanes over to the lane next to me. And the car and it, it happened, you know, kind of right near me as I was coming up on it. The car slammed on the brakes because I guess it thought it was coming into my lane. So that was supremely aggravating. Certainly nobody behind me is the good news happened again later and again the the third one I'm not sure if it was that or if it was something else but just a you know my wife and I can't blame her at all was at the point where she she even said like I she's like I'm totally on board with Tesla and autopilot but this is ridiculous and I don't blame her for that I don't blame her at all it it it's getting to the point where like, come on, I, it's it's making me honestly want to opt out of the full self-driving beta entirely so that I can go back to the production autopilot and get my radar turned back on because I do have a radar-based car. And, and I'll tell you the other thing, it made me feel very bad for all of you with new 2021, like summer and onwards, 2021, 22, uh, threes and whys, where your cars don't have radar at all. It is just, it is a noticeable difference. And I'm not just talking about these phantom braking incidents, which by the way, if you think, well, okay, Ryan, you know, it's just your experience. Yes, it is. It is just my experience. In fact, I was texting with my friend, Michael. Uh, he has a new vision only model Y uh, and, and actually, and his other cars, Model 3 is on the beta. He is not experiencing quite the severity of unpleasantness that I seem to be. And But I have seen so many posts in the community from other people feeling the exact same way that the, the phantom braking situation is just really bad right now. And I know it's going to get better. That's the good news is it can get better and it should get better. I want to be very clear about that. I mean, I can I think I've told the the anecdote on here before. The first time I ever drove a Model 3, it was a Tesla employee friend of mine's car from November of 2017. So that was, you know, that was before the general public could even take delivery. That was when the employees were the only ones that had the cars, and uh they let me drive the car and and we went north across the golden gate bridge. And it's a, it's a windy highway. Like it's, you know, it's 65, it's plenty of 60, 65. So it's not like a, it's, and it's wide road. It's nothing narrow, not like that. But the point is, uh, back then on Tesla's, that was Tesla's in-house autopilot system that they'd switched over to one year prior. It couldn't even hold the lane at highway speed on those curves. It would, it would go out of lane. It just couldn't do it. And the system got better and better and better and better. So I know this is going to get better too. But my goodness, it is frustrating right now. And it really made my heart go out to the vision-only folks. Uh, the one thing I tried, because the, the, the one remedy I've seen proposed in the community, it's seen put out there, is recalibrate your cameras. Which you can do in the, I believe it's in the service, men- yeah, it's the service menu in your car, and you'll have to, it'll, you know, obviously disable autopilot, disable traffic aware cruise control, and then you've got to drive around for, in my case, it was seven miles uh, to, you know, have the car see the lanes in the in the road, recalibrate itself, and so I did that. I've only driven the car once. And it was that same drive. So I, I did the seven miles. I pulled off the freeway onto an exit, uh, stopped, you know, put the car in park, re enabled, and started going again. And the rest of my trip, which was about 15, 20 mi- no, yeah, 15, 20 miles, was clean in terms of I did not have the phantom braking awfulness that I'd experienced before. So I got to drive it more this weekend. And I, I want to be crystal clear. I'm not, completely condemning this whole thing because maybe the the camera calibration will make a positive difference hopefully it's not just a small sample size at play here hope maybe there was just my cameras could have just been a little off on their calibration enough that when a car from two lanes over you know just in front of me and next to me moved one lane over on a lane change it, it, it you know will call it won't have the my car slam on the brakes anymore. So we'll see. I'm going to keep driving it. I have plenty of driving that I'm scheduled to do this weekend. uh, And 10.6 full self-driving beta. That new version is due out. It's supposed to go out internally at Tesla tonight as I record Friday night. And then uh, we should see it trickle out to the public beta testers in the you know early part of the week probably monday tuesday wednesday so we'll see if you know what differences there are with that but i don't know if any of you, any of you uh fellow not just fsd beta testers but also those of you with vision only cars what your experience has been with it you know no need to call in with it necessarily if you want to drop me a quick email that's cool or a tweet or something like that an instagram message but uh, yeah, it was a it was a frustrating go uh, this past weekend and on on 10.5, which 10.5 had come in while I was on my trip, so that was my first drive on 10.5, which is generally regarded as being a good a noticeable bit better than 10.4 was. Although again, I don't think the the FSD version even necessarily affects what I'm talking about because my issue here was on the production highway stack. So I'm more talking directly to the, to any of you with vision only autopilot on your cars. So I really hope it was the camera issue. I want nothing more than for it to be uh, a camera problem, a camera calibration problem. But again, all all the posts that I've seen out in the community, it's, uh, it's kind of disheartening right now. So, I hope it gets better soon, please, soon, 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 because the, the the radar-assisted autopilot that I was on prior to opting into the FSD beta had really been rock solid for me. Not perfect, but just very reliable, very smooth. I was very, very happy with it. I felt awesome about it. So I want to get back to that place soon, please. All right. Let's do a pro tip of the week real quick here. Phil from Kent, Ohio.
1: Ryan, this is Phil from Kent, Ohio with a tip for you. I discovered it and it just sort of made my day. A lot of times I use the in-car navigation to automatically take me to work and take me home. And I don't want the navigation to always have the voice on And so I just have left navigation voice off permanently because I don't want the voice all the time. But when I go somewhere that I am not familiar with, I do want it. And so if you use the voice command, turn off voice navigation or turn on voice navigation, it is a way with your voice to mute or unmute the voice on navigation. So I'm driving somewhere right now that I've not been, And I said, turn on voice navigation, and now I'm getting voice directions. It's kind of awesome. Hope you're doing well. Thanks so much for the podcast. I look forward to it every week. Bye.
0: That is a good one, Phil. Thank you. Uh, Like you, I keep it off all the time and don't bother ever digging into the menus to turn it back on, even when it might be useful in an unfamiliar area. So I'm going to use that tip myself Much appreciated. And if anybody else out there has a pro tip of the week that they would like to share with me and the Ride the Lightning audience, I invite you to call in with it the same way that you would call in with a regular Ride the Lightning hotline call. I told you about how to do that earlier in the show. All right, let me get ready to hit the road here. But before I do, let me first mention some friends of the podcast. First up, abstractocean.com. Use the coupon code RTLPODCAST, all one word, RTLPODCAST at checkout to get 15% off of your first order there. They've got all kinds of different products. Uh, I would say lighting is their specialty, as I've noted before, interior lighting. If you want to do brighter LEDs on the interior of the car, you can do that. If you want to do different color LEDs, they can do that. Uh, They've got neat stuff like the rear footwell lighting kit, which I think is especially nice in the Model Y. Uh, the fourth generation tempered glass screen protector that's all custom made for the Model 3 and Model Y screens. Just all kinds of stuff. Check it out, AbstractOcean.com. Next up, the Snap Plate. Get yours at everyamp.com/rtl. This is the front license plate bracket for people that otherwise hate having to have a front license plate. Uh, people like me, in fact, because it goes on and off securely. There's uh, and there's no automotive tape, no automotive adhesive, which is how the front license plate frame that Tesla includes with your car works. So you can take it on and off securely. You can take it off for car shows you can take it off while you're cleaning the car put it back on for toll roads and bridges put it back on if you're at a parking meter to avoid parking tickets etc etc it's not going to get in the way of your paint or your grill or your radiator or your autopilot any of that stuff so get yours for any of the four teslas at everyamp.com rtl uh how about puretesla.com slash RTL, your one-stop shop for your dash cam and sentry mode needs. You want to grab the 128 gigabyte kit for 49 bucks. That's probably the most efficient way to go. But if you do want a larger storage capacity, you could do the 256 gigabyte kit. For $69, whichever one you buy, it comes fully formatted and ready to go out of the package, which, by the way, is shipped free anywhere in the United States. And then the other neat little product they've got, if you're into gaming in your Tesla, you spend a lot of time maybe while you're waiting to pick up your kids at school, while you're at a supercharger, whatever it is, you like to play the video games that are in the car. PureTesla.com slash RTL is also where you can get the wireless game controller kit. They have a nice, uh, you know, like I I describe it, as I've said, as a Super Nintendo inspired, like a low profile game pad that fits nicely in your center console along with a a wireless dongle so you don't need a a cord while you're playing. So check any of those out at PureTesla.com slash RTL. Don't forget Jada, they've got plenty of fun stuff as well from the USB hub console to the wireless charging pad to the uh, Jada tray, the organizing tray, lots of different things for that center console for both the 2021 and 2022 revised center consoles in the three and the Y, as well as the older style, the first style center console that's in my car a 2018. Again, I've got the Jada tray in there and I've got the wireless charging pad. I think the, the wireless charging pad, so good. You know, if you're lucky, if you've got a 2021 or 2022 3 in your or Y, you're lucky it's built into the car. But if you've got an older Model 3, grab that Jada wireless charging pad. It'll be worth it. And on the plus side, I can get you a little discount on that Thanks to the coupon code, specifically for you guys, thanks to Jada, and that coupon code is RTL. Now to use it, please use my referral link. Go to this link and then put the product in your cart, whatever you want to grab and then use that coupon code. So the referral link is getjada.com/ref/8. And Jada is spelled J E D A. Uh, finally, I want to mention the Patreon. We are into the holiday season, the end of the year. Uh, this is the, uh, the part of the show where I like to tell you that with sincerity, I mean, really, it's, uh, I hope it comes across in the previous, what, hour plus that I've been going. I do put a lot of enthusiasm into this, a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of hard work, plenty of research goes into this. I want to make sure I'm as accurate as possible at all times. And so the show is listener-supported on a purely voluntary basis on Patreon. If you're not familiar with Patreon, it is a platform by which you can support creators in an ongoing manner. There are artists on there, like painters, there are musicians on there, podcasters, there are musicians—did I already say that? (laughs) But anyway— I'm on Patreon and that is how you can support the podcast if you like. Maybe you've been listening all year long and you think, "You know what, Ryan? Yes, you have earned my support. It's that time of year. I'm going to I'm going to back you on Patreon." Well, I would appreciate that if uh, if indeed that thought crosses your mind. You can do so on my Patreon page which is found at patreon.com/tesla podcast. Patreon spelled P A T R E O N. There are monthly support options. Or if you just want to pay once, there is a yearly option. And if you do that, you get a 5% discount over what you would do just going month to month on it. So uh, it's the Plaid, the the paid, what am I trying to say? Let me try this again. I'm staring at Plaid and Maxim Plaid, the, the the backers that I'm about to read. But the support tiers start at $5 a month. Uh, And that will get you early access to each week's show. And they go up. Uh, There's the $10 tier with the extra monthly bonus mini episode, which I'm about to change the format of, by the way. I'll tell you about that soon. And then there's the plaid tier and then the maximum plaid tier. Now, the maximum plaid folks uh, and the Roadster in Space folks above above that, uh, that higher tier, get the group Google Hangout. Every month, which, by the way, we're going to be doing this weekend. I mean, by the time most of you hear this, it'll have already happened. But those have been fun every single month. Uh, the Roadster in Space tier backers they get a one-on-one with me in addition to the group Google Hangout. Anyway, uh, Patreon, if you would see it in your heart at some point, maybe today, maybe tomorrow, maybe next week, maybe the start of 2022. Maybe you got a date in mind. I would love it if you would support the podcast. Anyway, let me just thank those wonderful Patreon backers. I will start with the Maximum Plaid crew because there is a new member of the Maximum Plaid backer group. It is Andre Kent. Thank you so much, Andre. I appreciate your support. And then the rest of the Maximum Plaid crew, Jonathan Wales, Cameron Clark, Daniel Grummer, Seth Capello, Nick and Tony, Tesla Hitchhiker 42, John Schmidt, Stan Roth, Charles Galpin, Ryan from Las Vegas, Darren Nickel, Kaz Barnes, Ulrich Lassa, Brett Libano, Patrick Wisneski, Gil Cabrera, Hay Watley, Eric Brown, Mark Eversole, Todd Badger, Joe Edgel, Kevin Yank, the Tesla Owners Club of San Joaquin Valley, Michael Williams, Will Stedman, Maitsuaru, Derek Nesselrote, Justin Perez, Jeremy Harris, Chris Beach, Tom Mills, Alex Brem, Zachary Howard, Tyler Smith, Corey O'Donnell, Matthew Graham, Droneberger, Scott Gillis, Aaron Huxley, John Cody, Aaron, and Sonar Tech 77. Thanks to all of you. An extra big thanks to the Roadster in Space tier backers, Pete White. Lyle Austin Steve Radspinner Fernando Cordero Lawton from Chicago Sean Neidig Scooter Ward Neil Weaver Jackson Wallace Crafty Geek Richard Stokes Rolf and Jennifer Evers and uh, pardon me Howard Anthony Smith thanks to all of you and then the Plaid Crew a big thanks goes out to George Cassiopo, David Brander Logan Willis Jason Chalukas Tim Hyde Peter Chalet Eric Randolph, David Nondahl, Joel Sapp, Dory and Steve Guberman, Jeremy, Tesla owners of Taiwan, Ron Lee, Charlie Gillespie, David Perella, Sunil Joseph, Dennis Peak, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanias, The Lydia Family, Aaron Altschul, Jared Brown, Jerome Strack, Jamie Dalton, Noel and Lucy Murphy, The Tesla owners East Bay Club, Paul Casarino, Ryan Natchett, Mike and Barbara from Louisville, David J. Howes, Travis Krenzel, Matt Nixon, the Tesla Owners Club of Wisconsin, Jonathan Zalesny, Rick Dean, and not Elon Musk. And by the way, about a month ago, I mentioned the Patreon backer, a cup of cheese. That is the handle he goes by, was very kind to offer a giveaway on Patreon, specifically for anybody on my Patreon, (laughs) The prizes were a Mattel Creations Cybertruck kit, as well as one of the smaller Hot Wheels Cybertrucks. And that, that ran for the month of November. So the winners have been drawn and the winners have been contacted. The winners are Dylan Kingsley and Mike Klimkowski. Thank you both uh, to both of you for backing me on Patreon and being eligible for that. And again, thanks to there were hundreds of entries into that. So uh, thank you to A Cup of Cheese that's it it was he just emailed me out of the blue like i didn't say a word or suggest anything he out of the goodness of his heart he reached out with that so that's the kind of amazing community that the tesla community in general is and the ride the lightning community specifically is so uh thank you very much for that and that will do it for this first episode in the month of december 2021 is winding down It has been a fun year so far, but it's not over yet. I will be with you. Uh, I will not be taking any time off over the holidays. I'll be around. I'll be doing the podcast. Don't worry about that. Uh, And with that, I will step out because it's been a long episode. For a snoozing Daisy the Boxer, I'm Ryan McCaffrey. This was Ride the Lightning episode 331, and I will see you back here next week.